0: At Work and Life with Nikki Bush is the podcast where you and I explore what it means to win at both work and life. Today, we get to choose how to create a life of meaning and self-expression that includes both our work and life outside the office with our families Please send through your comments, questions, and topic suggestions to info at Don't forget to share the Win at Work and Life podcast with your friends and colleagues to empower them to win at work and life too. In today's podcast, I'm going to be showcasing the dilemma that we have in the ECD sector during COVID-19. I'm going to be chatting to Robin Vienand, founder of the Play With a Purpose educational program and CEO of Preschools for Africa. She's an early childhood development expert with published research in early education. She has worked in the NGO space for over 30 years. She has a social franchise and they have mentored and assisted over 200 ECD sites through their network and through their network another 3,000. She advocates for ECD at local and national government level and I have been involved with Robin and her work for at least 20 of those 30 years and she is a mine of information. Robin welcome to Win at Work and Life with Nikki Bush.
1: Thank You Nikki it's wonderful to be here with you. And it's really exciting to be talking about this very topical situation at present.
0: It is, and and really to position our conversation this morning, Robin, we we really want to just expose the dilemma that early childhood development that the ECD sector finds itself in, that it seems to be falling between the cracks of the Department of Social Development and the Department of Basic Education. It feels a little bit like it's a hot potato. Nobody quite knows what to do with it. And we really are talking about something that impacts on, uh, what's it, about 8 million children in our, in our. Um, in our entire country who are in the ECD sector. This particular report that um, we're discussing this morning from the Nelson Mandela Foundation talks about 30,000 ECD Um, centers that have been closed down, which impacts on 175,000 educators and about 1.5 million children. Our youngest, most vulnerable citizens who are in desperate need of early stimulation. So from your point of view, what are you seeing? Because I know you're being asked for comment by both the Department of Basic Education and Social Development. What's happening
1: out there on the ground? I think what we're seeing is the fact that early childhood centers closed down at the beginning of the, uh, well, a week before the beginning of the lockdown from the 18th of March, and they were instructed to close. And so everybody did that, and it included ECD centers, it was the play groups, the day mothers, anybody who was operating in the early childhood field. And so since that time to now, they've closed down. And most of the ECD centers on the ground in the informal settlements, in the um, townships, and even in the suburbs, the parents have not been able to pay school fees. So they haven't been able to pay the educators, and the owners themselves haven't been able to get any money. And so, what, what has happened is it's actually three months now that they haven't had income because they would have used money coming in at the end of March to pay March salaries, then to pay April salaries, and now it's May, which is a quarter of a year. So many of them have just closed. We've even encountering ones in the more affluent areas who after 15 years of being operational have just run out of money and closed their doors. They haven't been able to pay the rent, they've given a notice, and they've closed their doors forever.
0: Gosh, this is a travesty, an absolute travesty.
1: Hmm. And, and and it, it is, it, it's is—it's—it's absolutely shocking because our little children are the ones whose future we are playing with here. And this is what we are most concerned about is what is going to be happening with our children in the future. Because if these people, first of all, it's the adults who can't um, earn a living, um, who actually haven't been able to carry on providing for their families. Very often it's the women in these situations who are the breadwinners. But it's the children more than anything else who are going to be the ones suffering.
0: Yeah, so we are looking at that. I think this is where education is so misunderstood isn't it? You know, people don't connect the dots because they think, well, early childhood education, they just go and play a little bit. Uh, Somebody looks after them, they play a little bit and they come home. But it's actually way more than that. And we miss that connection between learning and play because of our narrow view of learning. Traditionally, people think learning happens between the covers of books or between the four walls of a classroom, a formal learning environment. But you and I both know that, actually the foundations for numeracy, for literacy, for reading, writing and maths are formed in the sandpit. They're formed through play. That's where the neurological wiring is set up to ensure that children are school ready, number one, and two that they become curious about their own learning experience. And so even in the World Economic Forum we are seeing that they're starting to talk about The play gap. Um, They're starting to say that low play lives creates a skills gap, and we know in South Africa that a skills gap creates unemployability, and unemployability leads to crime. And I like to talk about the fact that our foundation skills—it's a little bit like building a wall. If there if there are bricks missing in a wall, that wall will eventually fall down and we're seeing that year in year out with so much lip service being paid to matric results instead of the product that's going into the system being school ready and we keep having poor matric results because we're not focusing on 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 making kids school ready and those early years and just how important they are so having these centers closed down and possibly not reopen again is just another um what 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 can we say nail in the coffin so to speak and it's a generational issue not just a COVID-19 immediate response issue this has a knock-on effect possibly for this generation of children who are sitting between the ages of what two and six
1: yes and I think it, it's, it's even from younger because it really starts at birth the whole thing on, on being able to work with um sorry, work with pregnant moms um, and with new moms to actually help them with their their little children before they enter the formal uh, preschool area. And it's an incredible gap that is now being created in the child's life. And children learn everything through play. It's their emotional and social skills, which are incredibly important. Playing in the sandpit, for instance, is is a matter of negotiation. It's a matter of being able to um, negotiate. Can I have the spade? Can I have this? Can I play with that? The other things that let me just talk about a sandpit play, for instance. It really is, people can think about it, can relate to this. What are you doing there? You're also learning science. You're learning quantities. How much sand fills up in a cup? How much how many cups can you put into one big bucket? It's all numeracy it's science it's learning language it's learning absolutely everything that a child needs to know and it needs to be facilitated and the opportunities need to be set up for children to have good play experiences and through this play experience they're able to learn skills that they otherwise wouldn't get and what is also happening at this point in time with our children is not being in a play environment They are actually losing out on the opportunities which they desperately need to, as you say, set the foundation for later skills in life. All of our play opportunities and learning through the early childhood development sector, it has an incredible impact on crime. They say that if you don't get the first five years right, you've got a 70% chance of being arrested for a violent crime. They say if we don't get the first five years right, we don't have much chance of actually entering tertiary education. So yes, this, this, this emphasis that everybody's putting onto the later years, we can't lose those children, but it's the generational problems that we are actually having to look at. We need to make sure that our little ones are not left behind they are the matrix of tomorrow what we're teaching in our early childhood development centers are actually tomorrow's matriculants it's and critical
0: it's critical stuff and and if we want to, well, I'm thinking COVID-19, you know, the impact it's having on our economy generally, we we have to save the economy now, but we also need to ensure that, that we have employable young people in another 12 years time. So keeping your eye on today is one thing, but keeping your eye on what's Coming, you know, generationally is essential. Somebody needs to to be protecting that generation. And right now, it just feels like we're in no man's land for this group. Uh, there's there's talk of maybe they'll open on the 9th of July, uh, or maybe they won't. Um, but there's there's a, there's another thing too, and that is that uh, children children need to to move as well, Robin, and they've been confined to small spaces for a long time now and when children move and children play they're able to work out their emotional stressors. It's one of the only ways young children have to actually calm themselves down, work out, work through their fear and their anxiety is to play and so many of them right now have lost the right to play.
1: Absolutely and It's the social and emotional fit that um, is perhaps the most concerning of what is happening at the moment with early childhood centers not being allowed to be opened. Through social and emotional play, the children are learning resilience. They are learning how to overcome obstacles. They are learning emotional intelligence, everything that is absolutely critical for future success. It is far more critical that their emotional and social development is looked after, even more so than pure academic development, because it actually makes or breaks whether that child will be a success throughout schooling and then further on throughout life. And with the children being kept inside, um, in many instances, they are having to sit. A lot of them are being put in front of television sets. A lot of them are being given cell phones just to look at, to play with, which is really not how a child learns or any good for their development whatsoever. And this is a challenge. I know that in many of the townships or even in the informal settlements where I'm actually, um, where we actually are doing food, food deliveries, we find that these little children, they may be coming out they're they're inside and then they come running out. um, Some of them unsupervised because parents have had to go back to work and this is one of our big concerns as well is what happens when the parents go back to work now and the children are left alone we have to be looking after our children
0: gosh Robin I mean that is quite something because you're on the ground you're seeing the uh, lack of food you're seeing the lack of adult supervision um, so in essence
1: there's a physical danger for these children too Absolutely, and. We actually have um, received letters and petitions from some of the ECD forums in, the, um, in some of the areas that we work in. And their biggest concern is the impact on the safety of these children. Um, one of them actually went to say it violates the children's rights. And what is actually happening on the ground is that the children are literally running around, nobody there to look after them. Up to twelve families inside one yard. Originally planned for a family of about, you know, two children and, you know, in a in a family and two adults. And in some of the places we go to, there are over 40 people inside one yard. Um, children are sitting in there, and that's daily what's happening. Children cannot stay contained, inside the, yeah, uh, contained yeah. like this. But the proximity of the children to each other, it is just not a safe situation. Yeah.
0: Robin, just give us a little bit of an idea in terms of the, the infection rate of young children in terms of COVID-19. Uh, you know, is it okay for them to be together?
1: Okay, this is actually really interesting because originally it was thought that children's, uh, that there was an incredibly high transmission rate, first of all, with the children. So they thought that that was a challenge that they were transmitting it really hectically without getting particularly sick. However, there's a lot of research that is coming out and that is actually happening. Our very own University of Stellenbosch has actually issued a research paper. Um, It's a policy brief by Nick Spohr on who should go to school first. And The overwhelming evidence that they have, and as I say, this is an academic paper, it's not just anecdotal, it's children under 10 are least susceptible to COVID-19, and they should go back. So what is happening is that there's a very clear consensus in international research literature across across the world, they're the least likely to transmit the virus, even when they are infected, and it's extremely rare for them to get ill or even die from COVID-19, there is so much coming out about it. So looking at, if if I can get into the technical side as well, if they look at Sweden, who did not lock down their children and the children carried on, and then you look at England, and I'm only looking at the children now. So despite being at school and not socially distancing, and they were exposed to the diarist, more children in Sweden are not getting the virus, than in than in England who have been in lockdown. Mm. Uh, we're looking at all these figures and it's showing that children are the safest to return to work and especially the young ones. Return to school, sorry, and especially course, the young.
0: Of course young children, you know, it's they they're in a touchy feely multi-sensory stage, as all children are, but even more so in the early years where, you know, when they play, they they touch their faces, they touch each other. They hug each other, Absolutely. they kiss each other. Um, is that going to be okay, moving, moving back to school? Is that, do you think, maybe something that has, has stopped, um, you know, the reopening of schools? Is it that fear? And is it well-founded? I mean, does it matter?
1: Well, looking at the literature and looking at the research that I can put my hands on, it seems that, well, even in, in Sweden, where they haven't been using particular social distancing methods or anything else with the children, they, we just don't have the huge figures um, of children getting the coronavirus, COVID-19. And the interesting thing is um, one of our associates works with a large network of early childhood centres in the UK and what they have found is they have not implemented masks, they have not implemented social distancing with the children. And the children are, that, that have that have stayed open through this period, the, the, the ECD centers that have stayed open through this period are there primarily for the for the policemen, for the health workers, and people like that. And throughout this entire time, there's not one case of a child actually having come down with COVID-19, throughout those centers that have made, and those are parents who are in the high-risk professions, and what they have concentrated on is cleaning. Absolutely keeping the child clean, keeping the centers clean, and working very, very closely to ensure that everybody is clean before they come in, they're clean before they touch the children, and everything else, it seems that the children seem to be the safest in the world. Uh,
0: so if if you can get that right, the cleaning before and after, what happens in between must just happen. They must get on with it, lead a normal life in that kind of um, ECD
1: environment. Uh, yes, that that is what the research is saying. Mm-hmm. That is what the research is saying. And, um, and, and Robin,
0: you know... If you think of the fact that we are a system, mind and body are not separate from each other. Fear, malnutrition, uh, all of those things have the potential to bring our immune systems down. And I'm just thinking with children at this age, having the opportunity to be with each other, to share time with each other, to be active with each other, actually will bolster their happiness hormones, their endorphins, all the positive stuff that flows through a system. And we'll, apart from the fact that they get fed in the ECD centers too, um, yes. we, we, it must be better and healthier for them to be together than to keep them apart, to have them stimulated, fed, Looked after, give them back some of what was normal for them because we know that children stress less when there is structure in their lives. And right now, for every child in this country, from whatever background they come from, they have had that predictability ripped away from them. They've had their structures of their teachers or their grannies, goggles, caregivers, etc., ripped away. And often, even in affluent areas those uh, teachers and aftercare supervisors have spent more waking hours with children than their actual biological parents. And I'm very, very aware of that. And keep saying to parents, even if your child is learning online, make sure they see their teacher as often as possible, because that teacher was actually spending more time with them than you.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's, it's this bonding, um, which is really of concern because the, the emotional bond that children make when they're young affects them throughout life. And they have been ripped away from someone who's been an an essential primary caregiver of theirs. Yes. And it's very interesting. My, my, my niece's little son, who's, who's just two. um, He sees the children across the road and he is crying. He just wants to go and say hello to them. Um, We've got little children saying you know, when can they go back? They want to see their friends. They need to be there. They they are they are missing this. That this, this this is a this is an age for connection. For the connection, yes. Absolutely. For these on children. every level. Absolutely. And we are missing that. We are in we are actually messing around with our children's emotions and their futures.
0: Yeah, I I like to think with their wiring, you know, because they are wired to play, they are wired to be curious, they are wired to learn, they are wired to socialize. And and we're trying to almost reverse engineer it for something we can't see that the science is telling us is highly likely not to impact on them. And so as you say, we're messing with their futures. Uh, and that is that is extremely, extremely concerning. Robin, is there anything else that we haven't covered? Um, I know there's this this report from the Nelson Mandela Foundation that people can get hold of. And there's yes. Nick Spauld's report from the University of Stellenbosch. And I will put up yes. a blog that's got links to both of those. Is there anything else that we can, um, we can share with people or that we haven't said that they should
1: know? I think at this point in time, we need to just reassure so many of the parents that despite the fact of not hearing from Department of Social Development for so long, um, until we did here last week, and Department of Basic Education, the early childhood centers on the ground, in the background, have been doing an immense amount of training and preparation, developing protocols. Um, looking at uh, equipment like the um, infrared thermometers that we need to be using, getting everything ready. There's been a huge amount of work going on in the background. So it's not a case of when the official announcement is made, ECD suddenly open and we don't know what we're doing. No, we have been working on this. We have been planning and ensuring that our teachers are trained in the, in the ECD centers in every single area. So we, we are ready to open. We have done the work on the ground um, to make sure that our children are safe. We are not just doing this for ourselves. We are doing it for the children of this country, not from a selfish point of view whatsoever.
0: Mm. Robin, thank you so much for your time. It's just been, you know, so many of us just don't know what it's like on the ground. You see this every single day. I mean, the fact that your organization, Preschools for Africa, has just about overnight had to turn into a catering company delivering 90,000 meals in a month and and having to feed school principals and school teachers just shows the, the scale of, of the problem that we're facing uh, in terms of service delivery, not just of education and stimulation, but of food and nutrition. Uh, so thank you for, for bringing our awareness to the plight of what's happening on the ground. So I'd like to just end off by saying that In a world that's now in various stages of lockdown due to the coronavirus pandemic, we need to be more aware than ever of the link between COVID-19 and play poverty. As schools and ECD centers have been shut down, orphanages for vulnerable children cannot receive visitors who provide additional stimulation, and children in general are unable to play outdoors and socialize normally with each other due to being housebound. It is an issue that has both immediate and generational impact. And we can't afford for yet another lost generation um, to, to occur in our country. And we need to do everything we can to ensure continued stimulation and play. I will drop the links to those reports into, um, into, into a blog so everybody can get hold of those. If you have any suggestions, comments, or questions, please drop me a line at info at and don't forget to share the win at work and life podcast with your friends and colleagues to empower them to win at work and life too